Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. If you feel like your allergies are having a comeback tour and you want relief quickly, you can try Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny, and itchy nose and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. One of our New Year's resolutions was that we want to dive deeper into the world of K-pop and Korean hip-hop. And the stars aligned because... Today, we have the opportunity to speak with Tableau, the leader of the group Epic High, who are one of the most influential and innovative groups in Korean hip-hop. Nate, are you familiar with Epic High? No, I'm not familiar with Epic High. They're like Wu-Tang or Beastie Boys are to hip-hop in the United States. They're elemental. And over the last week, I have been doing this rabbit hole through their catalog and it's stunning let me play you a single off their new record epic high is here part one this is their track rosario yeah yeah Okay, that is straight fire. Yeah, you've got your stank face on. I'm feeling lots of feelings. I mean, I'm loving the transition from like waltz time into this 4-4 hip-hop group one two three one two three and then the beat drops and it's like cha, 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 cha. It's, yeah. that's really cool yeah it's got a really aggressive beat it's uh tableau's flow is out of control totally the kind of melding of both korean and english lyrics but so kind of rapid fire that you don't even necessarily know when it's changing it's 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 pretty fantastic So we can go really deep into this music, but the reality is you and I just really don't know Korean hip-hop that well. And before I go into my conversation with Tableau, I thought it would be valuable for the both of us and for listeners who aren't as clued into this music to start off with a very cursory, high-level Korean hip-hop 101. That tutorial would be much appreciated for a neophyte such as myself. Okay, great. So I want to share with you a conversation I had with one of the leading scholars of Korean hip-hop. Hi, my name is Young Dae Kim, music critic and ethnomusicologist. So Young Dae Kim has a PhD in ethnomusicology from the University of Washington, where he studied K-pop, and he's published definitive texts on Korean hip-hop. I wanted to ask him about how Korean hip-hop developed to understand its unique musical and cultural characteristics, but he actually started by telling his story because it kind of mirrors the development of Korean hip-hop. I consider myself as someone who, who's been, I would say, baptized by American culture since I used to you know, watch this channel, which is called AFKN, American Forces Korean Network, provided for U.S. soldiers. So if you live close to a U.S. military base, you can pick up this channel on your TV antenna. From the morning show, Good Morning America, like Guiding Light, you know, the General Hospital, Johnny Carson, everything. Even before the end of military rule in South Korea, this hijacked TV station was an important form of exposure to U.S. culture. And the transmission of hip-hop into Korea actually came through direct cultural exchange Similarly, in the clubs near these U.S. military bases. By the 80s, there were a lot of new type of modern dance halls or nightclubs where uh, you can casually go to any clubs and to meet U.S. soldiers or foreigners to drink. And Korean dancers were particularly drawn to the music that some of the soldiers were playing. The club Moon Knight was a popular place where Korean b-boys 
used to go and hang out with Americans and uh, learn moves from them, hmm. you know, dance with them. So it, it is actually the kind of birthplace of Korean hip-hop and Korean b-boy movement. The fact that uh, American Armed Forces radio and, and bases may have helped spur the development of these Korean musical styles is like one of the best justifications I've heard for the military industrial <laughs> complex. <laughs> no, totally. And this is part of the story, which I hadn't really considered that there was actually real exchange of music, dance and so on. And, and what's happening in these clubs really reinforces the b-boy dance component of hip hop over the other elements of the culture, rapping, turntablism, graffiti. And the emphasis on dance really crafted the sound of early Korean hip-hop. The fun side of hip-hop was more important. They would play any type of music they would dance to. You know, it could be a disco. It could be Herbie Hancock's Rocket. It could be Michael Jackson's music. It could be Run DMC's UB Ilin. So rather than listening to Public Enemy or NWA, more socially you know, conscious hip-hop, upbeat danceable music that's how they got into the new jack swing mm. movement and take it as a first form of korean hip-hop but it is actually koreanized american hip-hop you can hear this new jack swing koreanized american hip-hop sound in the group sauteji and the boys in their 1992 song i know Wow, that is a fantastic melange of New Jack Swing. And there's like maybe some heavy metal in there. Yep. There's rapping. There's vocals. Yep. There's my favorite thing about old school hip hop, which is where which is where they've got like the call and response and the hype men backing them up. And yeah, I can see why this would make people want to dance. This is funky as as fudge. <laughs> no, it totally so, is. That's an expression I just coined. Funky as fudge. No, you're right on. Sauteji and the boys were known for this eclecticism, mixing this unique blend of Korean hip-hop and K-pop. And you can hear that eclecticism, the metal, the hip-hop, the R&B, that sound and style and even makeup of the group is new and transformative to what will happen to Korean hip-hop. This formation itself you know, singer, producer, mastermind with backup dancer as a legitimate members of the group is a really game changer. It was a new thing. It, it was probably the prototype of K-pop boy band nowadays. But just as Soteji and the boys are breaking musical ground with this kind of rap dance variety of Korean hip hop, early internet communities start developing an entirely different musical scene. By the late, mid and late 1990s, there were a group of youngsters who thought that that's not real. It's dance music, but it's not hip hop. This is really cool. What begins as a disparate internet forum commenting on Korean rap dance music turns into its own musical scene. There were a group of people who believed that Listen to the music it was not enough. So they started the first Korean underground scene. One of the things that these underground artists realize is that rap dance is missing an essential component, like truly essential component of hip hop. Their biggest complaint about the Sateji and the Boys and all the New Jack Swing groups, you know, they're really good dancers, really good performers, really good singers or beat makers, but they're really not really good lyricists or rapper. That does seem like an essential quality of hip-hop. Yeah, totally. It's maybe hard to capture through translation, but that early rap dance Korean hip-hop style was not just like maybe lacking in rapping, it didn't rhyme. It's kind of hard to believe, but early Korean hip-hop artists didn't emphasize rhyming. It just wasn't an important part of their rap. The popular belief was that Korean language is not good for rap. Because of the system of syllables and the characteristic of language, it is not really good for making good rap lyrics. Okay, so you see, in Korean, the verb conjugation endings tend to end with very similar syllables, like O, which makes rhyme sounds not particularly creative or edgy. 
which is such an important part of hip hop, mm. right? Is showing yeah. off your creativity and the way that you can rhyme. So this underground scene starts to find new ways of using near rhymes, interior rhymes, and mixed language rhyming, including English words, and finding unique and creative grammatical structures to create a Korean hip hop flow of their own. And this is coming from this internet underground community who are kind of inspired by this new dance rap scene, but also feel like it's not true enough to the spirit of hip-hop. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so it's not until 2001 where we get a pivotal record called Modern Rhymes by the artist Verbal Gent, where we start to hear rhyming in rap flows in Korean hip-hop. Straight from the streets of Seoul, move to the peak of Seoul, 너희들의 공력이 있어서 낭비의 시간이 없다고 날리기려면 기분부터 바로 배워야 할 텐데 하는 꼴을 보니 날 세네 너희가 몇 마디 말 때문에 고민할 때네 플로우는 깊어만 가는데 날 이겨낸다는 게 너희들로서 거의 불가능해 That is hot, hot fire. I am feeling that so hard. <laughs> It's kind of hard to believe that rhyming is developed just in 2001. Is that true? Is it just in hip-hop or is it in, like, popular music in general? It's not to say that there is no rhyming, but in general, rhyming just wasn't privileged in Korean pop music at this point. But once Verbal Gent releases Modern Rhymes, there are all these artists who are inspired and start to develop much more complex and creative rhyme schemes, which leads us to the subject of this episode. Epic High is another really good example. They're the combination of Korean Americans and underground hip hop. But their music is still danceable. Their music embraces a lot of non hip hop elements as well. They're one of the really rare cases that fit into every category. Like, they, they could be considered as K-pop, they could be underground hip-hop, but they're overground hip-hop uh, band as well. That's probably why they're the most probably most successful in the modern era, and they're probably most well-received both by critics and uh, and fans as well. They have everything, you know, uh, tableau, the superb lyricist, both in English and Korean language is really, you know, rare talent. But also, he doesn't really limit his talent in uh, more legitimate hip-hop beats or hip-hop production. He, he used a really kind of minimal production and he heavily borrowed everything from every genre, like electronic music and you know, hip hop and R&B and rock, even rock and, you know, other genres. <laughs> oh my God, I'm freaking out. That's so good. You know, Tukat and Misra, the two DJs, their music and their production styles are definitely based on the traditional turntablism. So this combination, more uh, eclectic songwriting, talents of tableau and the great talent as a lyricist and the more traditional turntablism, you know, combined to make this unique creation called Epikai. So Epic High hits on this formula, blending underground boom bap New York style beats with multilingual lyrical dexterity and cross genre danceable tracks that transcend their underground roots. Yeah, sign me up. By the early 2000s, hip hop, was still underground movement. But Epic High, based on these different types of streams and origins, underground hip-hop, Korean-American movement, or hip-hop as a dance music, they successfully combined these all different types of streams to make more accessible you know, hip-hop acts that would put hip-hop on the map of the mainstream music. So in the 2010s, Korean hip-hop totally takes off. There are reality TV competitions like Show Me the Money that brings the sounds into every household in the country. Follow me. I go, I go, I go. Now 
Johnny, go hard, go hard, go hard. One more time, say. And the influence of Epic High and other acts who pioneered that eclectic approach of Korean hip hop has even influenced K-pop writ large. Korean hip hop idol, BTS or Big Bang, they actually inherited all these different types of traditions. They learn this American style of hip hop from Korean American rappers. They use the similar technique, rhyming skills of the one developed in the hip hop community, underground hip hop community. But they still maintain their identity as a great performer and a great dancer. So these new model, I think BTS and others, they really kind of prove that Korean hip hop is, is evolving into this eclectic nature, which is probably one of the one of the things that makes Korean hip hop really unique. I feel like the scales have fallen from my eyes or from my ears, <laughs> I should say. I mean, I knew that Korean hip hop was a thing, but I don't think I had any real appreciation for the depth of the artistry and the kind of surprising contours of its history. I, yeah, I don't know. This is very illuminating. Yeah. And obviously there's a much bigger history here. We could have gone much deeper. We'll try to add more detail in the show notes. But the the big takeaway for me is that there's been this fascinating, you know, I wanted to say arc, but it almost feels like we've come full circle to a certain degree, right? Of this cultural exchange that happens on U.S. military bases in the 1980s to these underground internet forums that bring Korean American voices into the fold and the development of this music, which is rap dance. It is underground hip hop. It is mainstream hip hop. It is music that influences the creation of contemporary K-pop and idol groups. And that those groups are now pioneering sounds that are coming back to the United States. Mm. We're seeing this full cycle happen where influence upon influence is crossing shores and changing the sound of popular music. Mm. Yeah, deep. All right, you go talk to Tableau about that. I'm going to spend some epic high and verbal gent and uh, maybe we can meet back at the end. All right, great. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. If you have allergies, then I've got a familiar scenario for you. You wake up on a beautiful spring morning and peek outside. You get a feel of that nice breeze, but then you start to feel a little tickle in your nostrils. That tickle is the spring air telling you to go be a hermit and avoid the outside because you'll soon be a sniffling, sneezing mess. But don't listen to it. Allergies suck, but a good nasal spray makes all the difference. I personally learned that I suffer from adult onset allergies, and it's a real bummer. But a good allergy med makes all the difference for my ability to go out in the springtime to smell magnolias, my favorite flower. If you also want relief quickly to get back to breathing in the spring air, you can try Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latinx culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latinx minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Hi, my name is Tablo, and I am one of the members of Epic High uh, which is a Korean hip-hop group. Uh, that's epic with a K. I'm glad we decided to spell it that way because trying to Google epic with a C, uh, you would get a lot of other things. So, yeah. <laughs> Probably a dispensary somewhere in Los Angeles. Yes. Funny thing, um, a year ago, we were trending for no apparent reason, and we hadn't even released an album. <laughs> and my members are like, why are we like worldwide trending number one. And I'm like looking and I look at the date and it was 420. So 
<laughs> I'm trying to explain the concept of 420 to them. <laughs> oh, what a proud moment. Everyone must be so proud. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is a very exciting moment. You've just released Epic High is Here. It's your 10th studio album. Yes. Things can change You have called it dark with some slivers of hope. Wondering, what are you trying to communicate on this record? So when I began making the record, that was pre-COVID. The album was being created in a world that was familiar to not just me, but to everyone else. You know, it was just the day-to-day. So the sound and also the content of the music was somewhere along the lines of what we had always done. And how would you describe that? Like, set some context of the sound, that was something you've always done. Was um, so it, it, so a lot of our music is very emotional, sort of down-tempo, uh, lo-fi. A lot of boom-bap beats. Yes, and that's the music that we're mostly known for. And that's what we had been working on. And then COVID struck, and all our plans for 2020 just disappeared, right. just like everyone else. This thing occurred to me that this is the first time in my lifetime, at least, where the entire world is feeling the same fear, same confusion, depression. Right. All of these different emotions are being shared at this moment. It's something I had never experienced. Everything on the news, globally, not just with the pandemic, but 2020 was, aside from the pandemic, for some odd reason, globally, there were things going on that were enraging to people, almost suffocating, right? And when these things were happening right in front of my eyes on TV, and also just not being able to go out, I think it changed my mindset and also the music. The music started changing dramatically and then became what this album that we just dropped became. Yeah, the sound here is, I don't know quite how to put it, it's subdued. Definitely uh, can feel dark. I get quite somber, quiet, acoustic instrumentation with beats accompanying them. This this very strange juxtaposition. Yes. I'm curious about how you arrived at that sound. A good example is her song Rosario, which happens to be the lead single. Yeah. So the way I craft songs is I try to bring back a certain memory or a moment and try to recreate what that moment made me feel. So the feelings that I was getting during the lockdowns and everything going on in 2020 was that I'm sad, I am subdued, but at the same time, there's, there's this just angst and anger and this indescribable emotion where like hmm. you're feeling something passively and extremely actively at the same time. Hmm. And it, it made me think of this one memory I have uh, when I was in high school, I went to Mexico and I stayed with a family there. And the house that I was in, it, it didn't have a ceiling. They had a huge blanket just covering where the ceiling should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I was there volunteering and staying with this family. And on the weekend, the na- whole neighborhood would gather and they would play music. Mm-hmm. And the music I heard back then, it was sad but so powerful, dark but so beautiful. The things that I was going through mentally in 2020, like it made me think of that moment. And when I went into the studio and I was working with all my collaborators, I told them that story Mm. and how that's what a lot of people must be feeling. And so we, we get at the opening of Rosario this... Spanish style guitar it's played somewhat and I don't say this negatively but it's played somewhat amateurly like yeah. it, it sounds like someone sitting around hanging with the family playing the guitar there's little flubs it's not perfect and we get this Spanish style guitar that's obviously evocative of this place 
that it came from. Yes. When we actually recorded the guitar, that was like the first take. Yeah. And if you notice, there's like, kind of messes up. The guitar player messes up. Right. Yeah, but we just were like, oh, I love that. I love that. Like, it feels real. How it's imperfect. And let's just, let's go with that. And then it becomes quite contemporary. Yeah. Tell me about the, how you wanted to merge that story with where you are today clearly the sound changes we get a very contemporary trap style beat and you enter with a fairly aggressive style vocal especially Mm -hmm. coming out of the opening song which is a much more laid-back track yeah so what i was going through mentally was that the entire world is feeling all of these you know shared emotions confusion and just a lack of optimism but at the same time it was a moment where everyone in the world also was hoping for something amazing to happen, not only in medicine, but, you know, politics, just all around, right? Right. It made me feel like even in this moment of shared somberness, there is something growing where everyone is coming together to do something amazing as human beings. It made me feel like if I wanted to create a sonic version of what I was feeling, it needed to be something somber, something sad, but also incredibly energetic and almost aggressive. Like I wanted the music to sound like beautiful confusion, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I think that's exactly what everyone is feeling at this moment. That's at least what I'm feeling. I love that I was able to spend a year so close to my family, Hmm. to my loved ones. Hmm. But at the same time, it's, you know, each day goes by and you grow wary of the fact that things may not get back to normal soon and and there's this chaos that is brewing constantly underneath the surface and and i imagine you know you're a father you have a family as much as we want to be spending time with our loved ones we're also wanting our family our, our young ones especially to be able to go out and experience the world and grow and have a bigger experience than they're able to have at this moment yes and i i think that's basically the thesis that i had for Um, what this album should be, and that's how I tackled each song. Like the first song, Lesson Zero, I try to juxtapose, like if you just listen to the lyrics or read the lyrics, um, you would imagine a hard-hitting, aggressive beat. Right. Give everyone a voice, but leash them with the mic cord. Feed you things to fight about instead of things to fight for. Teach you everything you want, but nothing you need. That everything's got a price and nothing is free. They'll turn everything to nothing. they make you believe that everything is under control and there's nothing to see. No more lessons, please take me back to zero. But I placed it over a very peaceful piano. It's almost a ballad. Well, it basically is a ballad. And... I did that deliberately to keep up with this thing that I was feeling. I needed every song to seem like a paradox almost. There's this tension where you're you're both stuck in place and there's that pent up quality. Yes. Right? Because that lesson zero opens up with this beautiful song melody. And then once your verse starts, we get into some of the most troubling material of our, our our current age you have a line for example like addicted to the news views superstitions to keep the visionaries glued to their televisions yeah they teach you to heed the word of a god who has never spoken to fear breaking the law when it's already broken that to feel is to be weak to suppress emotion so no one sees you at a heart till your chest is open they got you hating who you are to sell you pills and fiction reaching for the stars when you were born up there with them addicted to the news views superstitions to keep the visionaries glued to their televisions they want that feels particularly of this moment experiencing a whole year of not being able to do much for anyone sometimes it's very it's very serene Right. It's almost idyllic in how, you know, you wake up, you can take your time to get your coffee. You just 
you you know you pick up new hobbies and sometimes it's just sometimes you're like convinced that it might just be better living this way and then that undercurrent of reality just creeps up and just punches you in the gut every few times a day that's how I knew my audience was feeling they were feeling like you know oh it's great to work from home oh it's it's great not going to school, doing virtual school. I, I love being in my PJs. But at the same time, there's this anxiety just creeping up like 20 times a day. And that's sort of how I wanted Lesson Zero to sound. Yeah, especially for you know every single time we realize that we have so many friends, loved ones, and, and others who are not able to stay at home, who might yes. have to be on the front lines of this pandemic. And we're reminded of that constantly. Yes. You almost feel a sense of guilt for being okay when also in reality like that's what they're fighting for so that everyone can be okay right right i've never had the world have a hand in my creative process as much as this past year mm. for example there's a song called based on a true story which is probably the only pure love song almost on the album <laughs> And I had great difficulty writing lyrics or rapping in a way where it didn't sound aggressive. I was almost incapable of not being aggressive because, you know, I'd be working on the song, I would take a break, I'd turn on the TV and immediately, you know, my mind would drift away from love or a longing and go into something dark. And I kept fighting it and then decided that, no, I, I think... A love song from this perspective is perfectly fine. So if you listen to the song, like the music is almost like a Studio Ghibli film, hmm. like OST, right? Like a soundtrack. It's very peaceful, um, pretty sounding, but my rap is very aggressive on that track as well. You can hear the conflicts that you were experiencing even in the studio and more broadly that you were trying to establish in this record in that in those very moments. I'm curious, is there a particular uh, lyric that perhaps encapsulates that feeling in the song? I say that even if there's a thread of emotion poking out, I am cutting it off because I am afraid that if anyone picks at it or pulls on it, all of me will unravel. And that's how I end my first verse. And this, this is a love song. You know, this is a song mm. where somebody is missing someone that they used to be in love with. They're alone now. And, you know, they're longing for somebody. That's a weird lyric to be in a Korean love song. Well, how come? Because it's too personal, I think. A bit too dark. It's taboo? Well, not taboo, but because I literally say me. I say, mm. this is what I'm doing to myself. You know? It's almost clear that I'm not speaking from the perspective of the subject of the uh, character in the song. You can tell that this is being said by Tableau, like by me as a mm, human being, mm, mm -hmm. almost as a confession to the listener. I just decided to stick with that, um, even though, you know, my members were like, do you think this like song is getting like the rap is getting too dark for the song? Like mm. it's also you're spinning it in a way where it's very aggressive. They're like, do you want to maybe like tone it down and try to sound kind of just more peaceful or melodic. I kept listening to it and I just decided not to because I felt like this was just real. I'm curious, you know, as I was preparing for this interview, I was seeing that over the last couple of years, 
home, family life, privacy have all been very important to you. And I'm curious about how you manage the way that the music requires that kind of emotional honesty when there's also you know, a need when you have such a substantive global fandom to also have your own space. How do you uh, manage that conflict in the in the in the creative process. I sort of actually just talk about it on the album. There's a track called "Social Distance 16," hmm. um, where I say that I've been social distancing from the industry and from my public life, maybe. And this this has been something that I've been doing for nearly over ten years. I had some things happen to me about ten, eleven years ago now. There was a scandal that overtook my life for about two, three years, and it was extremely bad. It's not gonna sound like it makes any sense in retrospect, but at the time, it is what happened. People didn't believe that I had gone to the college I went to. My college was like, no, he went here. <laughs> And they still didn't believe it. And for some odd reason, it became this nationally televised scandal for years. For some reason, I still do not understand. My understanding, it was all completely disproven. It was completely a lie. It was completely made up. And no matter how much proof came out, people just would not believe it. And it became this huge thing where there were protests against me in the street. My career was done.、Uh, all of my family members lost jobs. My father became ill and passed away. So,、oh、pretty much everything that was dear to me was taken away from me. This happened like right as my daughter was born.、Mm. So, it, yeah, needless to say, it was a, it was a difficult and very confusing time for me. The only way to actually understand、um, that what happened, there's actually a, like a like a Wired article. Uh, in English, yeah, they were trying to figure out what it is. You know, it, I think it was the first case of fake news and cyber harassment, bullying, like all wrapped into one. That is something that you don't really recover from because the things I lost are irreplaceable. I can get my career back, but、right. not not my family. So. I think that still influences the way I think, the way I view the world, and that is why I say that I've always been social distancing. Quarantine, we in quarantine. The industry makes me sick, and there's no vaccine. But I'm alive, I'm doing it. Honey, bit of my sin. Ain't nothing new. I've always been social distancing. Basically, my career was over at that moment,、mm. and I imagined that I would never be able to make music again. And that's sort of when I started distancing myself from what you would call the industry. I guess. Sure. I started functioning more individually and independently. I, I kept away from hugely public appearances and stuff like that. And as a result,、uh, I've become a master of keeping my loved ones out of the light when I when I need to. Right. Even though a few years ago my daughter and I were we were the subject of a reality show,、hmm. which was the most popular show in Korea. So, you know, it's strange that I'm able to do that, but at the same time, somehow maintain my privacy. I imagine even in the framework of reality television, in the same way that whole life is a performance of different characters and different ways of being. Yes, the the part of you. That you share, I imagine, must be a performance of the conception of your identity as tableau. Yes, that is an interesting way to think about it because I do feel like there are only two places where I'm completely honest. One, being home with my family. Right. I am one hundred percent always completely honest and sincere, and true to myself. And then it's in my music. When I'm writing the lyrics or writing the songs, I will say things that I probably wouldn't be allowed to say in public or on TV or in the media, and that is probably why I'm so drawn to music. It's like the only 
place where I I can say some terrible things that I'm feeling mm -hmm. or some horrible things that I can't work out in my mind, and it it becomes something positive, like it becomes something beautiful, like. People listen to it and they tell me that they identify with it, and I think these two spaces are the only spaces where I'm allowed to do that. And fortunately, these two spaces are the only two spaces I exist in at the moment. <laughs> What you were just speaking about using music to say things you can't say in other ways,、uh -huh. even potentially you know to yourself. Years ago, we had this great intern Olivia, and she talked about the reason why that she loved pop music was because it. Gave her emotional cues to sort of expand her own emotional life. Like I can express myself in a way that I hadn't heard before.、Mm -hmm. So it seems that is an important part of your process is finding something that is particularly vulnerable and almost unsafe for you to share, so that others can mirror that experience. Yes, K-pop music is many things. Is many great things. It's very、uh, vibrant. It's extremely fun, very well produced. Deeply,、uh, and once you fall into that rabbit hole, it's really hard to get out. <laughs> K-pop is pretty amazing, but one thing it is not amazing at is brutal honesty or brutal emotional vulnerability in its songs.、Mm. You know, it's it's very guarded, and、mm. there's reason to be right. There's a whole System around it. There's a there's an industry around it,、right. and also most often the music is being written by someone else. And then there are the I think the rare exceptions, right? Like BTS, for example,、right. is the definitive K-pop group, but their lyrics expose their vulnerabilities, and the lyrics are very honest. And I think that's why they've been able to connect. So well with so many different people, but I would not say that that's entirely common. It's really hard to expose vulnerability in K-pop, but it needs to be done. And I'm glad to see that a lot of a lot of musicians are doing it now. Well, it clearly is attracting audiences.、Uh, BTS Army listens to our show and wants us to. Uh, do better coverage of BTS, which we really need to do. Uh, one uh, one of the things that they always point to is is exactly you know that that authenticity, the、uh, emotional sort of depth and integrity that makes them really stand out. Yes, and I and I know they've you know looked to you and Epic High as as influences, and I know you've all collaborated as well. It seems as though there's a threshold that has been crossed,、mm -hmm. that emotional stasis. It、maybe isn't actually what audiences want. They want that release. Yes, harking back on what I was talking about with my lyrics on this album, they want those threads, like those loose threads. They don't want this perfect ball of string without any loose ends. I think the audience is looking for these loose threads that poke out, so they can hold on to them, and that's what a lot of musicians are beginning to do. I think that if there was a threshold that just was never crossed, I think it's been crossed.、Mm. And musicians like myself, BTS, and a lot of the independent music that's coming out in Korea, you know, these are all people in different genres and different spheres, different spaces, all doing this thing, which is great, but still not entirely common. I understand that. Hip hop in Korea, especially underground hip hop, and I know you all started out independent and have both been through the industry system and are now independent again. Yes, the sort of independent music it seems has been a slow burning, very important influence on exactly what we're talking about here the the capacity to、uh, express things in music that might be less emotionally restrained, and it seems to me that we are in a place where now. There might be more awareness from industry and idol makers that oh maybe that's part of the formula now. Like maybe we actually need to be more honest in the music, find kinds of emotional authenticity. Do you worry about the sort of loss from or that 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 transmission from that underground scene towards a more industry scene? Do you think it affects how you think you want to express yourself in your music? 
How do you see that dynamic? Thankfully, all of the the industry industry people that are trying to do that, it's readily visible that that it's not authentic. <laughs> it's hard to manufacture authenticity. Yeah, it's it's that it's not authentic. It's manufactured, and a lot of lot of companies are trying to do that. I, I can see it, hmm. but it's so. It's so manufactured that you know people people will know. I always say the audience is far far more aware and far more intelligent than any label or hmm. any suit, honestly, hmm. right? Any company uh, or any industry. I believe that the audience is always ahead, and they're ready for a lot more authenticity. Mm-hmm. So anyone trying to manufacture it is not is never gonna it's not gonna fly. So fun songs, upbeat songs, whatever. You're just like you know party music, totally f- cool. Like not it's not to not to throw shade on it, mm-hmm. but it's very hard to you're, what I'm hearing to have that those threads that you're saying those uncomfortable moments. People haven't quite found a way to fit that into idol based K-pop. Yeah, I like I, when anything is benchmarked, like when anything is mimicked, it's just not gonna be authentic. So. I think what K-pop would need is to give the pen and the mic to more individuals. That I think that is hmm. what needs to happen. Like these companies are not going to be able to create BTS. They're not going to be able to create an Epic High. It's going to have to be some kid who has a unique personality, a unique inner world, both dreamlike and nightmarish. So basically a, a human being, right? Just <laughs> right. a real authentic human being who has talent. You give him or her a pen or a mic or a huge playground for their emotions and then see where it goes. I love that perspective. Maybe we can bookend our conversation with the end of your record. In fact, this is just the first half of a two-part record. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't know where it's going to go. But I, I feel as though the final song really encapsulates a lot of what we've been speaking about. Melancholy, it's deep, it's personal. Can you set the stage of how you end your record and what you're trying to say? So I had a conversation with my daughter while I was making the album. And my daughter loves that I'm home all the time, that I'm a stay-home dad. Like she literally loves that I'm home and she wants me to stay home right and she literally said stay home dad and I was like hey that's what I am that's the conversation that I just wanted to put on record for the last few years it's been pouring rain so I've been a stay home dad my daughter saw the pain and whispered stay home dad and people I made the track uh, and then I went into the booth to record a verse over it and I thought of the many different things I could do I could just do a, like a straight rap I could rap about pretty much anything to close up an album right and I decided to go with something very simple and very almost the opposite of grand if Lesson Zero started off with this monologue or soliloquy about like religion and and the world and just everything going on give everyone a voice but leash them with the mic cord feed your things to fight about instead of things to fight for teach you everything you want but nothing you need that everything's got a price and nothing is free they'll turn everything to nothing they make you believe that everything is under control and there's nothing to see no more lessons the song kind of rises and builds and yeah, gets like, bigger and bigger throughout and i wanted to close the album with just this small intimate moment between me and my daughter. And so we get the song Wish You Were. Yes. Wish You Were. I can't really explain exactly why I decided to do that, but I felt like if the album begins with a person that is dealing with the external world infringing upon their inner world <laughs> or commanding their inner world, the last song of the album is a song that deals with a person that is letting their small, intimate inner world keep the outer world at bay, kind of. Just saying that the outside world thinks I'm washed up, hmm. 
because you know I'm not putting out records. I'm I'm a stay home dad. I'm older now. I never come out. You never see me in public or on TV. So the outside world is saying that I'm washed up, but I'd rather be washed up than drowning in like past glory.、Hmm. You know, I'd I'd rather be right here with with my daughter,、um, with my family on shore. <laughs> I think that's what I was trying to say with this album. Like to whoever is listening, I know what everyone's going through because everyone's going through the same thing now, albeit in different ways, in different degrees. But we are all feeling this uncertainty and this anxiety. And the last song was my way of saying that there is hope. Just don't look for it in extravagant places.、Hmm. You know, there there is hope, but. Don't hope that it comes in this amazing package. Like it's, it might just be what's right in front of your eyes. That's it. Perhaps that's also why the sounds of this record—they're not extravagant. Like we talked about with Rosario, like the guitar is just—it's the first take, yeah—and that's sufficient. The sounds are just sufficient. They're human, and this is ultimately just the first half. So I hope that where the world is at when. Epic High is here. Part two comes out. It's more hope and less darkness, and maybe we'll hear that in the record. And I hope that's where our world's going to be. I really hope so too. Thank you so much for joining me and being open and honest about your music. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Switched on Pop is produced by Charlie Harding, Nate Sloan, and Bridget Armstrong. Brandon McFarland is our editor, engineer, and mixer. Though this week we were delightfully engineered by our old friend Bill Lance. Iris Gottlieb does our illustrations. Abby Barr, social media, and Nishat Kurwa and Liz Nelson are executive producers. We're proud members of the Vox Media Podcast Network. I want to send a big thank you and shout out to Young Day Kim, who just is his knowledge on this music is so deep. Amen.、Uh, if you want to read、yes. more, he has a great article on Vulture called "A Brief History of Korean Hip Hop," and we'll link to that in our show notes. Tune in next week because we have a very exciting, very special, very secret announcement that we are going to make.、Uh, what we can tell you now is that we will also be discussing the music. Of a performer who will be at an event in which men run up and down a piece of grass and throw things at each other. Very suspenseful. <laughs> and until then, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. One final shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. You know what's a terrible question? What's your favorite part of having nasal allergies? I don't know. Absolutely nothing. Luckily, you might be able to find some relief with Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's astaproallergy.com. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies.